Nonstop Rock Talk with Tyson Bryden. Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. This is your host, Tyson Bryden, coming to you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Today we are welcomed by junkyard singer David Roach. David, great to talk to you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking me, Tyson. No problem. Um, David, as a fan of the band pretty well, I guess, since the first album for myself, I guess we'll kind of, I kind of want to start there. Um, I've owned those original, the demos when they were re-released a few years back. What is it? Ten, put it on 10 and pull the knobs off. Uh, really dug. Right. Yeah, really dug those. I actually had them on today. I was listening to them. It's a lot of material on there, actually. Yeah. That was, if I, if I remember correctly, uh, Matt Wallace produced those demos. Um, and I, I like the uh, production on them a lot. It's, I think it's a lot more. I mean, I think Tom Worman did a great album, but... Um, Wallace was a little uh, um, just I think he understood our sound more you know yeah and it's a little more raw and kind of captured us better yeah that's cool where I think Tom Warman's album was a little more palatable for the you know what was going on at the time yeah for you know hard rock fans yeah and it's Tom Warman right and he was doing you know Poison and all these other bands right yeah, oh, no, he did a great job. I'm not taking anything away from him. Yeah, he had a great, you know, his, his uh, accomplishments are speak for themselves, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's funny that I was reading in the liner notes of that CD that Geffen gave you guys $3,000, roughly, to record three songs. You did five, gave them back about 1000 That's pretty cool. That's, that was that sounds right. I mean... You know, it's we write the song, we learn it, and it's, it's not a whole lot you can do with it after that, and there's not a whole lot that needs to be done. So, you know, we went in there with a pretty tight set, so we were able to, you know, get our money's worth, and then some, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's, uh, I mean, there's a few tracks on there that didn't make any album, like uh, Take Me Home, Can't Pin That On Me. Uh, which are kind of closer to the beginning of the demos on the track listing. I mean, there's a few other songs that I've that I'd never heard before. Was there a reason that those ones were never recorded on album on any of the Geffen releases or anything like that? Well, um, first, uh, "Take Me Home" was released on a, a, a something we put out. I don't even know when. Got a year ago, not even a year ago. Um, uh, from some. Oh no, no, no it was a lost. Uh, it was uh, some lost demos. Okay. They weren't lost. They were just um, our own guitar player. When, he, when the band broke up, he he released them initially as um, what were they even called? Um, anyway, he put them out on his own, and he put like everything that we recorded, and we took we got an album and just condensed it to like ten songs. And Technia was on that. Uh-huh. The rest of them, you know, is that we only did two albums with Geffen, and so you know, kind of, we can only put out so many songs. So yeah. maybe some of them were on the back burner for a third album with Geffen if it had happened. But uh, you know, as fate yeah. has it. Yeah, yeah. And what I mean, what I find interesting on a couple of the demo tracks is there. There's a few that are little, a little faster, like Hollywood, for instance. I think Hot Rod right. might be. Um, when you guys when you went in to record the album did did maybe it was Tom or maybe you guys did they feel that it needed to be slowed down slightly it's possible I mean you know we were young we were 
you know, half the band was probably on meth or something. You know, yeah. and um, we, you know, we were, you know, we played, I mean, back in the day, we played this, we played like a punk band, you know, I mean, we went through the songs with the, I mean, fanfare in between and we, you know, we got ahead of ourselves, you know, we played too fast most of the time and that carried over on that demo tape. So Tom was able to kind of pull the reins in and, he was looking for a freewheeling looseness, he termed it. Ah, okay. It's <laughs> That's what he got said. And, you know, I like the energy of those early demos, but maybe, you know, it's, again, you know, more palatable for the for that genre for it to be, you know, more laid back and get, get a groove in there or something. Yeah. Uh, that's what I don't produce. I, I remember the first time I saw the video for Hollywood. I'd never, you guys were new, um, and I was like, I was, I was, I, it caught my attention right away. I was like, that is a cool song. I just, and then I was a fan, and then a buddy of mine had the tape, he initially had the tape, and we would listen to it all the time, and, and then eventually I got, I got a copy of it, right? And still listen to it to this day. I mean, I listen to all the stuff still, so. Cool, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that kind of sets us apart a little bit. Or you know, the, the, the songs we kind of tried to write, so they didn't like pigeonhole the the era too much or anything. You know, sing songs were kind of accessible to um, down the line. You know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, that kind of stand the test. Some relativity. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah, and you guys were kind of that band, right? You guys were kind of, um, you know. It was the times, and you guys had long hair, but, I mean, there were so many bands back then, and there were so many... It's funny, because I actually have this in my notes here. Um, in the in the liner notes of the demo, it said that uh, Chris Gates had claimed that he said that Junkyard never felt kind of that they fit in what was happening at the time, which was 87, with bands like Poison being the huge draw in L.A. Um, and I guess somehow Motley Crue first, and then GNR kind of changed that slightly and gave... Mm-hmm. maybe gave you guys a, a bit more of a chance, right? The whole look became more motorcycles, jeans, leathers, tattoos, stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, also, when we first started out, there was a different scene. I mean, it was like, you know, we sort of get thrown into that hair metal strip band thing, but we never touched the Sunset Strip back then. That was strictly pure to, uh, pay-to-play venues, yeah. Where you had to sell tickets, you know, you had to buy a bunch of tickets and sell them to your yeah. mom and dad and aunt and uncle and your friends or whoever. And there were hundreds of bands trying to do that. Yeah. And, those, and those guys were pretty much cookie cutter, like, you know, trying to be poison or whoever. Um, Guns N' Roses came along and kind of gave it more of a street thing. And then bands like us and Circus of Power and hangman stuff started doing more of what i guess became like sleaze rock or whatever you want to call it but um but back back then we played on the east side of hollywood clubs like rogie's and lingerie um scream and they had a lot more variety of bands they played so we fit in better with them and and, you know that 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 scene produced like jane's addiction guns and roses played on the east side a lot you know, so there's definitely a scene there that was seedier and kind of grittier than what was going on on the strip back then. It's a little cooler. A little bit more dangerous, maybe, too, as well. Yeah, you know. I mean, a lot of those those bands trying to be poison were kids from the valley with money and, you know, 
parents who could buy their tickets or whatever. Yeah. And we were like, on the east side is more, you know, you know, guys living in closets and, you know, scram, you know, it was, it was a little grittier. Yeah. I'd say yeah. we didn't have a, we didn't have our parents else to go back to the valley yeah. in the day. Okay. Um, it's funny cause you mentioned, you know, maybe you guys were a little bit more sleaze, but I remember at that time, which was around 1989 and Alice Cooper was on a Canadian show on much music called the power hour promoting his album trash more or less. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was all videos by up and coming bands like yourself, circus of power, Zodiac mind warp. I guess I think the sea hags were on there. It was really cool. Oh, yeah. And he turned yeah. that new genre at the time of hard rock as trash, which was, and that stuck with me that whole time. And I always, it was always in <laughs> When I would hear certain bands like that, I was like, "Oh, that's like trash rock or whatever you'd call it, right?" Yeah, and and I'm and, and I think I don't know if it was dressing sleazy or just because we couldn't afford nicer clothes. And uh, and and you mentioned a lot of bands that I forgot. You know, Sea Hags are definitely part of that. Um, yeah, Mother Love Bone, that kind of thing. You know, oh, yeah. they were cool band. I mean, of course, they became they kind of became Pearl Jam, but it's all it's all relative now, right? I think a lot of people, I think a lot of Pearl Jam fans don't really know that either, which is funny. Yeah. So, yeah, there were Green River before that, which was another right. cool band. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think, like, Stone Gossard and, was Jeff a man in Green River? I can't remember. Jeff, Jeff was in, Jeff was in uh, Green River as well, yeah. Yeah. Rock fans, do some research, check it out. Yeah, exactly. I actually had the Green, I had one of the Green River CDs at one time. I don't know whatever happened to it. Yeah. Well, it, they yeah they they became Mother Love Bone or they became Mookie Blaylock then Mother Love Bone that's, and then Jam. That's Mookie Blaylock. I forgot about that. That's a that's, yeah. that's one from the past. Now, yeah. on the first album, the songs were you know they're they're close to what were pretty much the arrangements and whatnot were like on the demos, and you kind of touched on that. Um, it was a great release. At the time, were were you guys happy with how it turned out? Um, yeah. Um, I, th I mean, personally, I didn't like my vocals just because it, I felt like it, it sounded a little, um, I don't know, like a little too much effect. I feel like just kind of, um, out in the chipmunks a little bit at some points, but, yeah. but, um, but I'm super, you know, hypercritical probably. I think a lot of us are, but, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm proud of that album for sure. And just just for the fact that people like you say, you know, they still listen to it regularly. So, you know, it's kind of the proof. It's it's hard because it's a toss-up between both either album, which one's my... I can't say one's... I like one more than the other. I love... I mean, the first two albums, I love them both. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, and I've, I mean, I've, I've listened to them since they came out and still, like I said, still do, so... Now, it was funny. I mentioned... Uh, of my buddy having the tape and he would always play I was a teenager so I was you know like 15 16 years old and he started playing hands off over and over and he he'd always just say that middle section all the time you know David he's a really nice guy he didn't do anything etc and I always thought that was brilliant was that something that actually happened or did you just no yeah that's that's completely uh Nonfiction. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. What What happened? Um, I was with this girl. I was 
I met him when I was 16, so I was probably 17 or something like that. But uh, we were downtown, some club, and we got in an argument, and we were walking down Congress Avenue, which is a, in Austin. Uh, it's a big, wide street, and we were walking home. She was walking on the opposite side of the street, and um, I see this car pull up, and she gets in and drives off, and I went, well, shit, that just happened. So I went home and went to bed, and um, about 3 in the morning, I wake up, and she's got her hands, and she's choking me, and she's screaming at me. Saying, that guy, that, that guy, you know, they were going to go party or something, and yeah. then he tried to put the moves on her, and um, so she... <laughs> She comes in and starts blaming me and choking me out. So that's that's that where that came from. That and yeah, the whole uh, she ran over my foot with a car and threw all my clothes out and took my shoes and yeah, it's all true. And the, my friend and her had a whole thing. Um, and yeah, you know, it's something people can relate to. I mean, yeah. who hasn't heard a girl say? You know, I just want some space. I want to be friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty universal. Yeah. So true. And then maybe that's why having it happen to you that it comes across so, I think that's maybe why I love this so much because it came across so truthful and it just seems so real. You know what I mean? That's real. Actually, it's funny the way that that song actually was written. We, we, um, Chris came up with the, the song, you know, the, the, the pretty little intro part. Yeah. And this guy who was kind of my mentor is living with us at the time, uh, Nick Ferrari. He said, and told Chris, damn, that song's too pretty for you guys. You got to have a real ugly, a real ugly title, like, get your hands off my throat. And then it instantly reminded me of, you know, I, you know, the song's written just like that. Because it took me back to that event and uh, voila. That's cool. And that's why he has songwriting credit on that song. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Now... Now, going to the next album, which was is Sixes, Sevens, and Nines, which, as I said, was an amazing release. Um, how did... Did Geffen want to change anything? Did they want a different approach on that album? Now, Misery, Love, oh, Company, yeah. and Lost in the City are on those original demos, so I take it they were from back then as right. well. Right. So they, they, um, they wanted a different approach? Yeah. Um, well... Not exactly, but they, they, they were trying to pretty us up a little bit. I mean, if you see the video from um, All the Time in the World, you know, they gave us like a little wardrobe money, so we're dressed up like monkeys, and it was just, you know, it, was, it didn't feel like us, you know, and I can tell, you know, <laughs> they, were, they were trying to like, you know, we call it putting antlers on a Buick. Good call. You know, yeah, you can you can put them on there, but it's not going to make it look any cooler. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to look kind of funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, but the real, I mean, it, it, the problems with the with Geffen didn't really occur until the third attempt at a record. You know, yeah, that never got released. Um, but yeah, no, they were you know they're always looking for a single. Yeah, there's lots of singles. so there's a lot of. <laughs> I think there was lots of singles on it personally, and they did they did release four singles, and the only one that I looked this up the other day, and the only one that charted was uh, all the time in the world, and I'm surprised that yeah. slipping away didn't chart because that was I mean that was a great song. I don't think they pushed it much. That's or maybe I, I don't know what happened to that. That's too bad, man. That's I mean, that, 
He, I mean, that's happened to so many bands, too, right? You know? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it sucks, and, you know, how unfair we got screwed. But, man, there's, there's you know, a fraction of the bands that, that's right. I mean, most most of the good music will never be heard. You're right. And it's the people that yeah. the people that actually go to find it and still dig it and still listening to it that, you know, it's still important to them, which is awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. Now... Was there between the first two, the first and second album? Was there a budget difference between the two albums? Was there far less money uh, on the first one than the second? I don't, I don't know that. Um, my, my drummer Pat, yeah, just him. He he's better at those kind of questions. You know, I kind of just, you know, to my own, you know, detriment, I I turn myself off from the business end of things. It just sucks the soul out of me. You know, I just, I don't. You know, I figure. If I get rich in this business, or this is my thinking, you know, back then, if I get rich in this business, it's going to be pure luck and, and, I mean, you know, some talent, but a lot of luck and whatever. And, you know, me keeping up with the numbers and stuff like that, I just, to what end, you know? Yeah, no, no, that's cool. Um, now going, now we did mention a bit this third, third record. Um, it was indeed recorded, I believe. Now... It was available as Joker and Triple X for years, kind of like as a bootleg thing. Right, right. That's the one that that's the one that uh, Chris put out uh, on his own. Oh, okay, okay. So and, I have the Joker CD, um, mm -hmm. but I don't have Triple X. Um, but now, Old Habits Die Hard. What what exactly was that then? Old Abbott's I Hard was the, what I was speaking of earlier, the condensed version of Triple X and Joker. Okay. Because okay. originally Chris put them out like just, you know, uh, kitchen sink and all. And some of the songs were just, you know, some of them had scratch lyrics. Some of them are, you know, they weren't complete. They weren't, you know, you know, I, they weren't ready. They were, they weren't ever intended to be released. They were just ideas we were pumping out. Yeah. So so we condensed them and put out old have a side hard. Now I feel like an ass because I'm holding my vinyl copy and I see Take Me Home on there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm horrible yeah. with ti I'm horrible with titles, I have to admit. Like yeah. I usually listen to a song and I'm I'm horrible with that. Um I love this vinyl. I love the beer colored vinyl. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so cool, man. Yeah, make it a little more interesting for the collectors. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and I mean it is a great. It's a phenomenal. The material on it's phenomenal. I think it's a, it would have been a great third release. It's it's right, you know, exactly the next continuation of of what you guys were, right? Yeah, it, I think even it. Um, we were kind of, you know, some of the stuff kind of reaches back to our punk roots a little bit too. Mm -hmm. uh, like um, I come crawling back, and things have a little. More of a, I don't know, man. It was all junkyard to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know. yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Now, after that album, did did the band technically break up? Did you officially after, break up, or was after, after after the second album? After the second album. Yeah. So the third old, album, old habits. We didn't get that together till last year. Right, but there was that was material from back then, or you guys kind of yeah, no, that was all material. That was all stuff where we were. Those were all demos for the for the third album that right. didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I was kind of alluding to. Sorry about that. No. 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 Okay. So uh, after after Junkyard, 
before the band got back together what do what were you did you start another band yeah i started a band with a guy named joe dog joe almeida who had a band called um dogs to more in england yeah i remember that yeah yeah we had a, a really cool band called baracho and did that for a couple of years but i really liked that band but it was just uh wrong time you know yeah oh i mean the the 90s were kind of a rough time it was a weird time man yeah everything right it was such a weird time and then then things kind of 2000s they started to come back a little bit so it was cool now yeah now tried and true was released it was an ep six song ep oh three right um that ep included tried and true and holding on which are also on um old habits with die hard were they re-recorded right. was was that all new material like what happened i think um we recorded tried and true twice um so yeah those were two different uh, versions of that and holding on we might have recorded twice and then the other ones were new the old number seven the one the harmonica was a uh, baracho song oh okay yeah and you guys re-recorded simple man too Cool. Yeah, that acoustic thing. Yeah. yeah, I haven't listened to this in a long time. I apologize. It's been a no, while. no, please don't. <laughs> no, no, it's been a while. Man. I haven't listened to it a long time either. Yeah, no, I re- I remember getting it, and then I have so many, I have so much music, so I try and listen to it as much as I can. Now, let's talk about High Water. Um, yeah, loved when I heard Cut from the Same Cloth. I was like, that is so junkyard. Um, the album was slightly different from the earlier material, but I mean, you were going what 25, 30 years later. Yeah. What was, what was the kind of the mindset going into that album for you guys? Well, first of all, we weren't intending to do another album, but we were starting to play gigs more frequently. And we had some old ideas and we, and, um, there was some talk about, you know, you know, people are starting to reach out and stuff. So we had some song ideas. So we, you know, Tim, the guitar player, he's he's got a little studio set up. You know, and you know, he he can do pretty much everything but drums and stuff. Uh, it is kind of like doing my vocals or stuff. So we just were demoing, you know, slowly with no real intention, but just having something ready in case we needed it, and. Um, we got some offers that kind of fell through, but we started recording anyway, and then eventually something, uh, well, acetate, acetate finally made something concrete happen. And so we had about half an hour's worth of materials, and then when we knew we were able to do another album, we, you know, got a little more intense about writing. And uh, that's what came of it, you know. Yeah, a few cool. old ideas, some new ideas, you know, some contributions from... You know, there's a Mike Mark song on there who also did Clean the Dirt. He wrote that uh, on the second album. And uh, Charlie from uh, from um, Blue, Blackberry Smoke. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. He gave us um, Wheels Fall Off. So, yeah. I was, supposed, that to together. I was supposed to go see them, actually. They were supposed to come to Toronto uh, just when COVID hit. Oh, Bummer. Yeah, and I'd never seen them, and I was really looking forward to it. And I, uh, and then they postponed it. Now it's postponed till October of this year. 
So hopefully, yeah. hopefully it'll happen. Yeah, we got to play some shows with them last year and or the year before last in in England. That was a lot of fun. Mm. That'd be a great bill, you guys together. That would be awesome. Yeah, it's a little it's a little rough, you know. It's sort of like you know somebody opening for Slayer or you know the Grateful Dead or something. You know, the fans are so into yeah. that that everything else is just nah, whatever. But you know, we we we, we you know we turn some heads. <laughs> no, that's cool. Now, when you guys when you guys were with Little Caesar, how did that go over? That was great. You know, we we share a lot of the same fan base, and we get along. We we came up together. We we're on the same label. You know, we played a lot of shows together back in the day. So you know, it was sort of a natural, you know, bill. Yeah, yeah. It was fun, and you know, a lot of people like you know every. Everywhere you go now, everybody's talking about their bucket list. So there's That's there's a lot of people that on that tour that you know got to cross two of their bucket list bands off the list. Well, I didn't get to co- I didn't get to cross it off my list because <laughs> you guys couldn't. It got canceled, right? For Toronto. Yeah, canceled. me and um, me and the uh, one of the roadies for Little Caesar had some legal issues. And, couldn't get in in time. Ah, damn. Get the paperwork in time. Yeah, Canada's kind of a pain in the ass to get in. That's what I hear. I've, I mean, I've heard, I've, I've talked to Ron about it in the past, Ron Young, and he's told yeah. me the same thing. It's not that easy to get up here. And yeah. stuff that happened in the past, like I've seen, he wrote something about doing some shows for the Angel, the Hell's Angels years and years ago. Oh, yeah. That's still, yeah. That's still oh, my God. all these years later. What about all these years later? Like, it's still all these years later, they're still kind of holding that against him or the band or whatever. I don't know. What? Who's holding against him? Well, he wrote something about a Hell's Angels thing where they had done these gigs for... They were hired to do some Hell's Angels gigs or something like that. Yeah, no. Yeah, we did a... We we flew down together um, to Boston and did some kind of charity show. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't remember any, any problems. Oh, okay. He, I, I'm pretty sure he wrote something on Facebook about that that they had done that in the past, and that could be, you know, I didn't realize. Well, I don't know. But that was, I mean, that was in America. I don't know what that has to do with getting into Canada. Well, apparently, apparently, if you if you're a member even in Canada, I've been told this that you have a hard time getting across the border into the state. Oh, okay, everything like it's I don't know. Oh, you mean the the Hell's Angel connection? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't. I didn't. Maybe Ron some honorary member or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. We, we, we mentioned that. We got it. We did get in some trouble on that outing, but that was at the airport before we even left town. And it wasn't even real trouble. The the plane was delayed, and we ran up like a seven hundred dollar bill at the bar. But um, the, <laughs> that sounds the good. Hell's Angels covered it. That's it like no a, problem. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, that's, I didn't have a problem. Oh, that's all good. So, so I mean, when this is all over, hopefully, when this whole pandemic's over, um, do you guys have plans to go out and do some more touring? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we've got something penciled in for the December of uh, this year. Right. But it's it's just hard to say, you know. I mean, you know, 
uh, another thing that happened is probably 75, 80% of the venues that we, we were able to play, which was already a short list to begin with, you know, aren't going to make it. Yeah, I know. That you know? Sucks. So if, 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 if it depends on what kind of venue, the, you know, the venues that are going to be able to, to survive. I mean, it was hard, it was hard enough to get shows to begin with, you know, I mean, it's a dwindling audience, you know, we're getting older. Um, and, you know, I was, I figured, you know, 2020 and, and 2021 and 2022, we're going to be the winding down of the band and um now we had to postpone that so you know it's a it's it's a problem <laughs> oh that's shitty man i'm sorry to hear that that's crap it's yeah. ah you know like for me as a fan to hear that you know like the venues are it's few it's not as many as you would like or whatever it is that's disappointing to hear because i mean even if you guys couldn't get across the border again i would probably come down there to see that double bill, you know what I mean? Like, just because uh, well, being such a fan, right? Well, never say never. I mean, you know, you know, it's, you know, I believe that you know we get a handle on everything and things will go back to normal. You know, it just, I just, did, I would have preferred not to skip that year, year and a half, or whatever long it takes to get back. You know. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, do you guys plan to do any more recording, any more albums or singles? Yeah, well, we're doing we're we're doing stuff now. We're recording. So I think we're going to do another single. Do you remember before High Water we put out a, a yep. like a single, like a two yep. two song thing? I have it in my hand here, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I think we might um, do something like that within the next couple of months. And in the meanwhile, we'll be writing for uh, for another album. Oh, cool! Can't wait for that. It's probably uh, half 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 written. So, so probably it's probably getting kind of the same setup as last time. You know, we'll release the uh, the single thing and then work on the album um, a little more frenetically. This is kind of maybe a silly question, but is there? It has like. You guys, uh, a bunch of the album covers now, the first one and then the last two, is has blue kind of become the color of Junkyard with the album covers now? Uh, you know, I, I don't... I, I, he might have been um, kind of capturing the, the tone of that first record, but right. I, I, I actually had never thought of it until you just mentioned it. But So there's no, like... Um, it's not on purpose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't handle that part of things either. Yeah. Um, so, which is kind of weird because I'm an artist, but and I don't, you know, I'm not called on much to, uh, you know, in that department. But your covers are always so good, though, for the most part. Pardon? Covers are always oh. good. They're always yeah. They're always eye catching. You know what I mean? Because the logo's so the logo's so good. Not that the stressed K and the Y and the and whatnot, but. They they always stand out, and the, it's, it always looks well thought out. Yeah, well, the logo's important, you know. You want something that people can recognize from across the room. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, you, 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 you notice a Kiss t-shirt, you notice a Ramones t-shirt, ACDC, you know, big, yep. uh, you know, strong logo is important. That's why I worry about those death metal bands who uh, do the thing that looks like it's in a tree branch and you can't yeah. read the name. It's like, good. You're, 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 you're uh, sabotaging the whole um, trademark thing. You're you know? right. I agree. I agree with you there 100%. That's so funny. Um, anyways, David, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show tonight. and I really appreciate talking uh, to you, man. You bet, man. Uh, thanks again for uh, inviting me on. Right on. And uh, yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you, and I appreciate it. Good to know somebody still cares. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do, and I mean... I was I was really looking forward to talking. I mean, this is a I like I said the history, knowing the history of the band, and kind of you know having a little bit of insight on it as well as it, it kind of connects the dots sometimes, right? Okay. Well, if you have any more questions? You got my number. Okay, man. All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your night, and thank you so much. All right. I swear I seen the light, and it ain't coming from above. And I seen the sadness in the eyes of the people that I love. Well, I walk these empty streets looking for the lost and found. And I ran along for miles and miles and never landed on sacred ground. 